VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. Friends, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today. Very momentous day. Just an hour ago, the House of Representatives have elected the next Speaker of the House, with Republicans giving a unanimous vote. Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana elected Speaker of the House. This comes at a critical time as funding is requested for war Uh, the war that Hamas launched against Israel, also the Russia-Ukraine war. We have appropriations bills that are before Congress. Funding runs out for the government November 17th. We're going to cover that topic today, but also give you further analysis on this Islamic war against Israel, including what some have called a mind-boggling speech from the U.N. Secretary General placing blame on Israel. Joining us today, we welcome constitutional attorney Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. He's got three landmark cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. He is an author, host of the radio broadcast Faith and Freedom and Freedom's Call. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. Good to be with you. Very so, exciting times with the election of the new Speaker of the House. Yeah, it was just just before 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Republicans had a unanimous vote, believe that or not. But uh, the elected Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, the vote was 220 Republicans for him. And all voting Democrats there present, 209 Democrats voted for Hakeem uh, Jeffries. Uh, Matt, this has been a, a, a couple week, a few week ordeal. McCarthy being voted out, Scalise or Jordan not receiving a majority of votes, Emmer not even facing a House floor vote. But the dust is now clear. Your, your comments on this nomination and now being elected as Speaker. Well, I couldn't be more pleased with Mike Johnson. I've known Mike Johnson for many, many years. Um, Mike is a solid Christian. Uh, he is very strong on all the different issues religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, uh, God's design for marriage and family. He understands uh, intimately all of these issues. Plus, you know, he has been on the front lines. I got to know Mike Johnson many years ago when he attended um, a litigation academy for religious liberty litigation, and I was teaching that academy, and he attended. And I've been friends with Mike for many years. In fact, Mike Johnson also became a local counsel for us in a case that we were defending and litigating in Louisiana, and he was our local counsel because that's where his district is from, that's where he lives, and that's where he had, at the time, his private law practice. And then he had to eventually withdraw his local counsel because he became elected to the United States Congress in his first attempt at running and he uh, won uh, re-election, and he's been working his way up through the leadership. Uh, he's a great friend of all the different issues. He's a great personal friend, a man of integrity. He's somebody who has not let Washington, D.C. change his values, and he still knows where the compass points. And he also is someone who is very well thought of uh, by his colleagues, although he is one of the most uh, conservative, if you will, Christian principled members of Congress on both sides of the aisle, I should say, are both sides of the chambers, House and Senate. It's in Washington, D.C. He's also been part of the Republican study group, heading up the Republican study group, which that particular group uh, provides insight and recommendations for public policy for the Republican uh, caucus in Washington, D.C. So he's got leadership experience. I couldn't be more pleased to have Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House at only 51 years of age. A great choice. Yeah, indeed. Susan B. Anthony, the Pro-Life America group, uh, gave him an A-plus rating. Uh, I see that Americans for Limited Government put their support behind him. LifeNews.com referred to him pro-life congressman. Todd Starnes called Johnson a rock-solid, conservative, devout, evangelical Christian, a beloved friend of those who cherish religious liberty and secure borders. Uh, the first thing he did last night was ask the Republican caucus to pray with him. And uh, Tony Perkins said, I believe God has answered our prayers with this, his election. Mike will be the America, uh, the America first speaker we need, will lead with spiritual insight and political courage. Strong accolades there, Matt. 
Yes, I think all of that is true. Um, you know, he is someone you're not going to have to go to sleep and wonder in the next morning how he's going to vote because he's going to be voting from principles, and you can trust him. He's uh, very thoughtful. He's an attorney. Like I said, I mean, he was litigating in this area of the same area that we litigate in, religious liberty, the sanctity mm -hmm. of human life, and God's design for marriage and family. And he had been doing that uh, in private practice. He then joined uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF. He then went back into private practice. He was our local counsel. He ran for uh, Congress. He was actually working on the development of a law school at one time before he ran for Congress. And he ran for Congress, and he's been very solid. We've kept in contact with him. He's continued to re maintain close friendships uh, while he's up there. But he's also somebody who can get things done, and I think that's really important. Yeah. He's somebody that has a solid biblical worldview grounding. He knows the issues on all the different areas. He's not afraid to speak truth. He will lead, not follow, and he'll be able to bring people with him. And that's why I think you see this unanimous vote for him by the Republicans. You know, we've had some rocky uh, situations where we've had, you know, speakers changing and then they didn't get enough votes. Uh, but now you have someone who's able to coalesce them together. And I think there's an enthusiasm, frankly, and there should be, an excitement among the Republicans in the U.S. House that he's now taking the leadership. We need to pray for him because that's a very difficult job, yeah. uh, and he's going to come under a lot of different you know, pressures there. But he is someone that uh, I am so pleased uh, that he's in that position. He, You could not get a better person in that position than Mike Johnson. Well, last night, Republicans stayed in a room, basically, until, until they could decide on a nominee. It was becoming a, a real national embarrassment. But after a long wait, they came out, and uh, I have just a portion of the brief statement last evening. Thank all the press for waiting. It's been quite a process. <laughs> Democracy is messy sometimes, but it is our system. This conference that you see, this House Republican majority, is united. Is united. <laughs> Honored to have the support of my colleagues, and what they understand about this is this is servant leadership. We're going to serve the people of this country. We're going to restore their faith in this Congress, this institution of government. America is the last best hope of man on the earth. Abraham Lincoln said it. Ronald Reagan used to remind us all the time, and we're here to remind you of that again. We're going to restore your trust in what we do here. You're going to see a new form of government, and we are going to move this quickly. This group here is ready to govern, and we are going to govern well. We're going to do what's right by the people. And I believe the people are going to reward that next year. But we have a lot of big priorities ahead of us right now. The world is on fire. We stand with our ally, Israel. We have a very busy agenda. We have appropriations bills to get through the process, but you are going to see this group looking, working like a well-oiled machine. We owe that to the American people. The, the people up here are, have been sent here by the people of this country to do this job, and we are going to do it well. We commit that to you. Thank you for allowing us to go through the process and get to this. It was worth it, and we are going to serve you well. Okay, so that's an excerpt from last night. I understand he had a remarkable speech here today, but Matt, they're fired up, and and he he brought about this novel concept of servant leadership, and, and uh, that's really his background, is it not? It really is. I mean, that's not something that's a politician talking, that you just have this uh, language that doesn't have any meaning. That's mm -hmm. how he has lived his life for decades. That's how Mike Johnson I have known from the very beginning. He's always been very optimistic, very can-do type of person, but he also has a very humbleness to him. He's very capable, but he's also humble, and he does have that servant leadership approach. And I think that's why you hear this overwhelming cheer uh, of him in support, and that's why you've got a unanimous group of people that have come together on the Republican side to support him. Uh, this is a great, I think, situation. We need that kind of leadership now more than ever with what's going on. Yeah. 
And man, so many different issues. And, man, I want to bring this like, up because this is a new leader, and we, we heard just a, a brief vision of him. We know where a number of conservative groups have stood behind him, but it's the same House of Representatives, and it's really imperative now for the House to get to work. They've got a lot on their plate. They've got some, so have some very critical issues that are before them, and, and uh, though there's excitement about the new leadership, it's the same House. Yeah, it's the same House, but you know what? I, I think that House uh, will get behind him uh, on the Republican side, and hopefully he can bring over a few Democrats here and there. I don't know. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things he mentioned, for example, the, the Senate passed a resolution 97 to 0 in support of Israel and its right to defend itself and condemning the terrorism. I think you're going to see that happen quickly. I think the House is going to follow suit on that. I think it's going to be very strong. But also, I think it's going to be very involved in the budget process. I mean, he voted against the most recent uh, funding uh, budget uh, mm-hmm. that kicked the can down the road. And really, that was sort of the thing that tipped the edge uh, with regards to McCarthy. People said, you know, look, we're, we're having this trillions and trillions of dollars of debt and you're just adding to it, and you're just kicking it down the road. Mike Johnson was willing to take a tough stand and say, no, uh, we need to cut more spending, and uh, we're going to toe the line. It's the House that originates these spending bills, and if the House wants to cut budget, it can cut budget. Now, the Senate may just sit there and sit on their hands with the Democrat-led Senate. It may get vetoed by the administration, but at the same time, the House is going to do what the House needs to do, and it's going to do something, I think, that is principled and bold. And I think that's the kind of leadership you're going to see now with Mike Johnson, and I think you're going to see a coalescing around that kind of leadership. Yeah, Congressman Jim Jordan put out a, a tweet of congratulations to him as well, just saying he's done a great job in the Judiciary Committee, always prepared, always ready to take on the swamp. He said the House needs a speaker. It needs to be him. And again, friends, uh, just today and a unanimous vote, uh, just an hour ago, the vote 220 Republicans, every Republican there in 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 uh, on the floor voted in favor of Mike Johnson. Every Democrat on the floor, 209 that were present today, voted for Hakeem Jeffries. Very much uh, diametrically opposed to one another as far as their political philosophies and beliefs. Matt Staver is with us today from Liberty Council. We're just a minute from the break. Uh, Matt, you and I have not spoken since this Islamic group, Hamas, launched an attack on Israel. Uh, We're going to be addressing some of the current goings-on, but Matt, this was a highly orchestrated attack designed to kill, to mutilate, to dismember. Israelis, creating as much murder and mayhem as possible. Horrifying footage has emerged. One piece of footage shows a Hamas terrorist calling his mother with one of his victims' phones saying, I killed 10 Jews with my own hands. I'm using the dead Jewish one's phone to call you now. The mother replied, may God, and I'm putting that lower G, protect you. Matt, a brief comment. We'll pick up after the break as well. Yeah, there's a recorded statement like that. Uh, it's awful to just listen to that call and to see the words, this guy is happy uh, that he actually killed Jews with his own hands. And then he calls his uh, parents uh, and tells them that he kills them with his own hands, 10 Jews with his own hands, and he's calling them on one of the deceased people that he slaughtered on their cell phone. And he's being congratulated by his parents. We'll talk more about this because this is an ideology that didn't just pop up. It's been around for a while, and we need to address it. Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. Friends, you're tuned to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. We'll be right back with some of the latest information coming out from Israel. Stay tuned here to the VCY Network. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, Noah's Ark Explorer from the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, where did Noah build the ark? Chris, we simply don't know where Noah lived nor where he built his boat. This is because the flood of Noah's day totally restructured the surface of the earth. There are no geographical remnants of that pre-flood world. Everything about that world is totally gone. Now, it is true that two of the four rivers named before the flood are the same names as today's rivers, but I suspect that Noah named these rivers like he did because they reminded him of the previous rivers. They couldn't have been the same because beneath these rivers are tens of thousands of feet of flood-deposited strata. They simply didn't exist before the flood. At least that's how I see it from a back-to-Genesis perspective. Thanks, Dr. John. 
If you'd like to go back to Genesis, visit us on the web at www.icr.org. That's www.icr.org. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. If you missed our first segment, there is a new Speaker of the House that's been elected. This would be Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana. We are now transitioning, though, in our comments regarding Israel. And, uh, Matt, again, we just had a few seconds for you at the beginning of, of or at the very end of last segment. But as we go into this segment here, too, uh, I, I know you've got a great love for Israel. And to see this this orchestrated attack against Israel carried out in the manner that it has and the, the barbaric nature I know your heart is greatly grieved. Well, my heart is greatly grieved. You know, since October 7, I have watched and looked at so many videos and photographs, seen intercepted messages uh, that have been intercepted uh, from telephone calls and so many other things uh, that have happened. And it is so upsetting. It's so grievous. Uh, Some of the things, you know, we can't even post because they're so awful looking. Uh, recently, just this week, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, they brought in a number of international journalists into a room, and they showed them uncut raw footage that they got from Hamas. Uh, how did they get it? Well, these were videos that they have posted on various social media sources, and there's also videos that they got from their cell phones. Um, and they showed these videos to these uh international journalists, some of them were so overcome with emotions, they had to be taken to the nearby hospital because it's so upsetting. You know, in one particular situation, a young girl uh, gets a message from her grandmother. She thinks it's from her grandmother. It's a social media post. Well, Hamas took the grandmother's phone, slaughtered the grandmother, filmed it on the mother's cell phone, Mm and then uploaded it to the grandmother's social media. So it went to her kids and grandkids. So they're just getting a post from their grandmother, they think. They open it up, and there's the brutal slaughter of their grandmother for them to see. I mean, this is just unbelievable. They come into a home, you know, there's a scene, and I don't want to go into too much detail on it, but just to give you the idea, they come into this home, they put mom and dad on one side of the room, with hands tied behind their backs. Uh, son and daughter, a little son and daughter on the other side of the room, hands tied behind their backs, looking at each other. And I won't go into what they did to them, but one by one they tortured them while they were alive in the most brutal fashion. And when they finished completely torturing them and butchering their bodies in front of each other, they shot them in the head and killed them. I mean, this is the kind of unbelievable situation uh, that we see happening over there. And in fact, now what we found recently is a handwritten note on one of the Hamas terrorists. And it's written in Arabic. I've posted it on my Facebook and also on uh, Telegram channel. And uh, that particular uh, handwritten note says that the enemy, speaking of the Jews is what they're referring to, the enemy uh, has a disease that, the enemy is a disease that is not curable, and the only option is to uh, remove, to cut out their hearts. Uh, CBS News just recently interviewed one of the IDF soldiers to talk about it. The enemy is a, has a disease that is not curable. Uh, and here's, here's part of it. It starts off by talking about Allah and sharpening swords, and it goes on to say, know this, that the enemy of yours is a disease that has no cure other than beheading and extracting the hearts and livers. And then it goes on to praise Allah at the end of it. Hmm. So how do you get to a place like that? How do you get to this absolute, unbelievable barbarism that is just, I would say, unimaginable, because no person in their right mind would even imagine what they've done to these people. And you go back and you look at... um, if you go to powwatch.org, for example, there's a video on there. And this has been going on for a long time, and it's a video of the Palestinian Authority. And it's what they are doing to indoctrinate kids. And they are little kids, like in the elementary age school level, 
They're singing and chanting uh, songs about becoming a martyr and killing Jews. And they have little songs that they're doing. They're doing it on the radio. They're doing it in the schools. Then there's interviews with parents. And the parents are saying that they're so proud that their kid has become a martyr. The brothers of a martyr are so proud that their brothers or their sisters or their cousins have become a martyr, that this is the ultimate goal, is to become a martyr and to kill these Jews and infidels. It's not just Jews. Mm -hmm. Certainly that's who they're attacking, but it's not just Jews. It's what they would consider infidels, somebody who's not a follower of their radicalized religion. So this is a very systemic problem that has to be addressed. It's a longer-term problem because they're indoctrinating their kids, but it's not just in the Palestinian Authority. Gaza is one little section by the Mediterranean Sea. That's controlled by Hamas. The Palestinian Authority is in Israel, and it's in Ramallah. And they got booted out of Gaza by the Hamas, but they're just as radical and just as much as indoctrinating. And the video that I was talking about, that's being promoted by the Palestinian Authority. And the Palestinian Authority right now is going to be given millions of millions of dollars to the families of these terrorists who came into southern Israel to support them for life. And I think their budget right now is up to $27 million a month that they're paying in benefits to the families of people that do harm and kill Jews. So they have an incentive. You go out and you kill a Jew and your family gets benefits from the Palestinian government for life. It's a welfare system. And where do they get that money? Well, they're getting part of it from the United States of America, where we fund the Palestinian Authority. You know, Donald Trump stopped that when they refused to use the money, to not use the money for terrorism. Um, They said, no, we're not going to commit to that. So he stopped funding them. Biden put us right back into funding them. But the presidents before that, Republicans and Democrats, they funded the Palestinian Authority. And we've known this. We've known it. It's not a surprise that they're indoctrinating their kids. And therefore, it's not a surprise that you're seeing this happening there in Israel, in Gaza. But it's also not a surprise that we're starting to see this worldwide on college campuses and in other places because of this indoctrination. I saw a faculty member here in the United States just recently saying that he was exhilarated exhilarated when he found out that Hamas did this uh, in Israel against the Jews. Exhilarated. I mean, those kinds of people, and we have others like Rashida Tlaib, members of Congress that have the Palestinian flag out front, and will refuse to the media upon repeated questions to condemn the beheading of babies, because they're beheading babies as well. Mm -hmm. Refuses even to condemn the beheading of babies. Uh, so we have some real serious issues that we have to contend with here in the United States. We can't just assume that this is an Israel problem with a small you know, group of people. This is a global problem. I think Europe is now realizing that they've got a real serious problem. Yep. They've brought it on through their open immigration situation. Uh, we have an open border. Uh, we have to be careful. Uh, I think terrorists have already crossed that border. Uh, We have a situation not only in Europe, but also in the United States, uh, that is growing in radicalism, and it needs to be addressed in a serious long-term manner. And friends, this is the heart of Islam. I mean, when you read the Quran, and on our website, you'll see the violent truth about Islam, a little booklet that outlines direct dictates from the Quran. Uh, to Muslims, you know, to, 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 to you know, kill the infidels, strike their necks, decapitate. Uh, but that's available through uh, at vcy.org. But, Matt, uh, this week, we, I mean, and it's going through all levels. We're seeing on the university campuses. We're seeing it in the congressional. But this week, the U.N. Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, accused Israel of violating international law in its retaliation against the Islamic Hamas terrorist organization in the Gaza, called for an immediate uh, 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 you know, truce that would leave this Islamic terrorist organization in power after it massacred over 1,400 Israelis. That's the worst mass killing of Jews since the Holocaust. But here's in part what the U.N. Secretary General said. We'll have you comment on it. This is uh, U.N. Secretary General Guterres. It is important to also recognize the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. 
They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. But the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas, and those appalling attacks cannot justify the collective punishment of the Palestinian people. Matt, it's Israel's fault. They created this mess. You know, that's not a surprise with regards to the U.N., because the U.N. is always quick. They have more resolutions against Israel. How many resolutions do they have against the Palestinian Authority, the suicide bombers, the Hamas, the Hezbollah up in Lebanon? How many resolutions do they have? You'll, you'll, you'll have to search long and hard to find one, because the, but there's plenty of them against Israel. You know, in Israel, you have freedom of religion for both Jews, Christians, Muslims, and others, uh, Druze. You have freedom of religion for everybody. But not in uh, the Islamic, Hamas-controlled Gaza. In ma- fact, let me, let me just interject here, because it was the Times of Israel that reported uh, that there are more resolutions against Israel than all other countries of the world combined. Yeah, combined, exactly. Uh, not China, not Iran, not North Korea, Israel. Israel. And it's the only place where you have free democratic elections in all of the Middle East. And Israel now has the most U.N. resolutions against it. So it's not surprising. You know, the very fact is, what we ought to talk about is, let's go back to the very first time of 1948, and Great Britain wanted to do the mandate, the British mandate, to provide a two-state solution. Israel and the Jewish people at the time, because it wasn't Israel, uh, it was Israel, but it wasn't called Israel, uh, the Jewish people said, yeah, we're fine with that. The Palestinian people said, no, we're not. They had the three no's. The three no's is essentially that as long as there's a Jew in Israel, they will not be satisfied for any amount of land whatsoever. It is no Jews, period, in all of Israel. So there is no two-state solution. There is uh, efforts that have gone through times where the Jewish people like during Clinton's uh, last uh, time in office, he wanted to bring a two-state solution and bring peace to Israel in that area. And Israel came forward and gave 98%, 98% of all that the Palestinian Authority was asking for, and what they said was, no, no. Bill Clinton was stunned by this and surprised, and I talked to uh, reporters a, pal- a, a person who calls himself a Palestinian-Israel citizen. He lives in Jerusalem. He used to live in Hamas, uh, Gaza, uh, but he moved out because of Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. It wasn't safe for him anymore, and he's an Arab Muslim. And he was part of that meeting, one of seven journalists that was uh, brought in by Yasser Arafat. And he asked, why did you not accept it? He said, well, number one, there's no uh, base. That if I accept it, you know, basically we're telling our people, we're raising them from young, that these are these are Satan, that these are evil yep. people. Yep. And if now I go and negotiate and have anything, unless it's 100%, then I will be assassinated. 100% means no Jews at all in any land of Israel. None. They have to completely be wiped out and moved out. Matt Staver with us here today from Liberty Council and uh, Friends, the spokesperson for Benjamin Netanyahu has responded to the U.N. Uh, uh, Secretary Guterres. So we're going to uh, come back after the break. You're going to hear that response and uh, f- further information coming out from the region as well. We'll be back in one minute. This is Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Are you aware of past crises when America's fate hung desperately in the balance? The French and Indian War, the Revolution, the Civil War, and in other national events, leaders in our country called the nation to prayer. In the book, Miracles in American History, author Susie Federer recounts 32 amazing stories of answered prayer. Read about events like the winter at Valley Forge, the Boston Tea Party, dense fog that appeared allowing 8,000 troops to escape, the Star-Spangled Banner, and other events where prayer had an impact. You'll also learn when Apollo 13 was lost in space, 
and what happened after the president called the nation to prayer. Volume 1 of Miracles in American History is available for a donation of $18 or obtain Volumes 1 and 2 with additional stories for a donation of $33. Call 1-800-729-9829. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. With us today is Matt Staver from Liberty Council. Their website, lc.org, lc.org. They're involved in many, 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 many issues. Uh, this, of course, with Israel being one of them. And uh, so uh, we're breaking things down here today. Again, we have the U.N. Secretary General coming out speaking against Israel. Now, today, I guess he's kind of walking that back. No, 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 I've misinterpreted. Friends, we know exactly where they stand on this. More resolutions against Israel than all the other nations of the earth combined. Think about that. Uh, Also, we have, uh, Matt, let me play this clip, and then we'll get further response from you. This is uh, Tal Heinrich, uh, a spokesperson for uh, Israel uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. She was on Fox News, and uh, when she was asked about what uh, uh, the U.N. Secretary General had to say, this is how she responded. There is a very clear anti-Israel bias at the United Nations. This is nothing new, this crazy double standard. What the U.N. Secretary General said, that this Hamas attack, the massacre of October 7th, didn't come in a vacuum, that is mind-boggling. Can you imagine the U.N. Secretary General saying such a terrible sentence after the 9-11 attack, that the 9-11 attack didn't come in a vacuum, that the Pearl Harbor attack didn't come in a vacuum, that the Boko Haram kidnapping of 276 schoolgirls in Nigeria in 2014 didn't come in a vacuum. This is insane. This is insanity. The civilized world must stand with Israel in its war against terrorism. The message that a UN Secretary General must send out is that terrorism is a dead end. Matt, your response. I agree. I mean, you know, go back and look at Nazi Germany. Can you then? imagine the UN saying, well, uh, the slaughter of the Jewish people and others uh, in the gas chambers and the torture, it didn't come in a vacuum. Uh, No, that's not right, but, you know, it didn't come in a vacuum. And so, you know, know, when you do that, you're supporting terrorism. Uh, These people cannot be trusted. And there's other people that we see in leadership right now that I think, frankly, are committing treason. We have American citizens right now that are being held hostage by this terrorist group in Hamas, in in Gaza, by Hamas. We have them held hostage right now. We have Americans that were killed, innocent Americans. And yet we have, you know, AOC in Congress on the House side. We have Talita, you know, Rashida Tlaib. We have Ilhan Omar. And they are spewing anti-Israel propaganda. They are supporting this kind of atrocity. They will not even bring themselves to condemn the slaughter of innocent babies and children. I mean, we have a situation, I mean, there's videos. I don't want to, you know, go into too much detail, Mm -hmm. but it's just unbelievable. There's pregnant women, pregnant women, who've had their bellies sliced open, and the baby is still attached to them with the umbilical cord, and then they behead the baby. I mean, this is the most unbelievable that everyone should be roundly condemning this and anybody who's out there marching for free palestine or palestinian flags they are supporting hamas they are supporting nazism they're supporting genocide i don't you can dress it all you want to but it is flat out genocide you know we thought or we hoped that we were further away from nazism than we really are. But unfortunately, what we see is the seeds of Nazis and that satanic, demonic spirit is still around. And it is targeting not just the Jews today, but Israel is just the first target. As the son of the founder of Hamas, who's now a Christian, just recently said on CNN, and we've heard him speak before in person, as he was the son of the founder of Hamas, and he now is a Christian, he said, Israel is the first target. But it's not the last. It's world domination, and it's also certainly the United States of America. Yeah, I mean, it's been viewed as Israel being the little Satan and the United right. States being the, 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 the great Satan, the big Satan. 
Matt, yes, uh, excellent. Yeah, that's right. Matt, I, I know also that uh, we've been waiting. The world's been watching what's going to happen in, in retaliation. Certainly there are airstrikes that, that Israel has launched against Hamas, at targets that uh, launching sites that they put very key, you know, they, they put them near uh, schools, kindergartens. They put them near uh, mosques. They put them near even the U.N. headquarters uh, in Gaza. Um, and we, we've been waiting for a ground invasion. We, we were told this was going to take place. Do we know, is it the ho- because of the hostages that they're holding back? Is it pressure from the U.S.? What, what do we know about this? Well, as of today, what we know about it right now is, at first it was the Biden administration wanting Israel to allow some humanitarian care to go into uh, Gaza. So they did that. And they've allowed a lot of trucks to go in. Now they're running out of fuel. Uh, Gaza has fuel that they have amassed, but they're not sharing any of that. So that's going to stop pretty soon. But now what I've just learned today is that they're waiting for a short period of time to allow the United States to position additional uh, aircraft and um, uh, ships uh, off the Mediterranean so that they could hold back any other attacks that would come from, say, Syria or uh, from Lebanon. Iran is the global sponsor of terror, and it's starting to try to work with the Syrians, the people in Syria, the people in Lebanon with Hezbollah. And so uh, that is being uh, done as a deterrent, because once they go in there on the ground, it's going to be very difficult, and they want to make sure that there's sufficient firepower to hold off these other attacks that would likely come. I will say this. When you're looking at what's happening in Gaza, there are about 311 miles of underground tunnels that the Gazans have, uh, the Hamas has dug. And that's where a lot of these... Hostages are being held. They're being held underground. Some of these are under hospitals. They do that intentionally. They do that to protect themselves. They do that because they know Israel is not going to target a hospital, even though they blow up their own hospitals by errant missiles, as they did within the last week. So that underground fighting is going to be very, very difficult. Can you imagine being underground in an underground tunnel uh, with the loud noises of the artillery and uh, hand-to-hand combat that they would have to go uh, and deal with. So pray for the soldiers. These, these are individuals, you know, every uh, boy or girl in Israel, right out of high school, they serve in the Israeli Defense Forces. Two years for girls, three years for guys. But they're also in the reserves for many years. So many of these people in their later 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, they're now called up from the regular jobs back into the IDF, and they've had about 360,000 or so or more called up out of the reserves into the IDF in active service right now. And uh, these are people that we know. These are sons and daughters that have been called up in the IDF or that are serving in the IDF. So pray for them because their task ahead is for sure they've got to eliminate this terror. They have to cut off the head of the snake but it's going to be a very difficult job. Friends, our number to crosstalk today for your questions, brief comments, 800-733-9829, 1-800-733-9829. Time is limited, so get online right away here with us, 1-800-733-9829. We're speaking today with Matt Staver from Liberty Council, their website, lc.org, lc.org. And Matt, we remind our listeners what Scripture says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah, absolutely. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And you have to ask yourself the question, why through all these years have the Jewish people been so targeted? You go back to Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and Rome, uh, and then you move up to modern times with the Nazis in 1948, 1967, 1973, and now this. It's a small group of people. In fact, much of what we have today in our modern-day life The technology has been invented by Israel since 1948. Mm -hmm. Things on our computers, our cell phones, and so many other things. Uh, So much solar and, you know, drip irrigation, cherry tomatoes, all that comes from Israel. Uh, So why? And you look at it, well, if you look at it before Christ, you see that, you know, the scriptures come through the Jewish people. 
They wrote the scriptures. A lot of the history of the Bible took place right there in Israel. And obviously that is the lineage and the land where Jesus was born, where the Messiah comes. So we have Israel both past, present, and future. That's very significant. And that's why, because it doesn't make sense logically, why would you go after these people? They're not harming anybody. But there's an animosity, there's a hatred, there's a desire to destroy these people. God's promises are sure, and he has kept them throughout the generations. And they're the only people group, the only nation that has been wiped away, if you will, and then reborn in the same land and have their ancient language now spoken as modern Hebrew today. It's a miracle. Lines are packed. Let's go to John in Goodyear, Arizona. John, you're on the air. Hi. uh, I just had some questions. Uh, Sane members of society are correct in distrusting mainstream media. Being that Jews with dual citizenship control said media and Biden's cabinet, why would we as a citizenry believe any of the propaganda coming out of Israel? Uh, Well, you know, you say coming out of Israel. Uh, That's not just mainstream media. I have a lot of intel that I, I don't go to... CBS or, you know, New York Times for my information. In fact, if you talk about mainstream media, let's look at the BBC and the New York Times. Uh, just a few days ago, they bought the Hamas lie that Israel bombed the hospital. Um, I knew that right away. It was false. I had radar information. I had um, multiple ground camera operations that I could see from multiple locations. I have an intercepted message from Islamic Jihad to Hamas leaders saying, we just shot a rocket that went off course and it hit our own hospital. So I don't have to depend upon them. Yeah. And, you know, the, the good thing is that um, the New York Times finally had to come back and apologize for presenting a false story. Yeah. Thank you, John. Tony is next. Nielsville, you're on the air. Hi, Jim, and uh, I don't call all that often, but I have a couple of a couple of comments. Very, and uh, very quickly, time is short. One, I I got a uh, Israeli flag hanging on my door uh, to show my support for Israel, and uh, I have been I got a couple of guns and been stocking up on bullets so that I can uh, take care of myself when them pagers go off and and this jihad comes over here and starts attacking us. Okay. Matt, uh, any response here to Tony? Well, you know, uh, there was one of the kibbutz in southern Israel where they had their own um, individuals who had armed themselves, and they had their own security that they had done. And uh, when the terrorists actually came to that particular area, only a few members of that particular kibbutz were killed because they took up their own arms and warded off the Hamas terrorists until the IDF soldiers came. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case for most of them. These were early morning attacks. They were in bed. They were taken off guard. These were individuals, thousands of people that were gathered for a peace conference, young people in their 20s gathered together to promote peace. And these Hamas terrorists came in uh, via paragliders shooting at them, and then they also guarded the parking lot. So as these people were leaving, they, they slaughtered these people as they were leaving. So, you know, they didn't have a chance. I mean, obviously, you're not taking, you know, weapons to something like that. They just didn't have a chance. Uh, this was a calculated, cold-blooded murder. Thank you for the call. We are up against a break. Quick take to break, and we'll be back with more of your phone calls here today. And yes, I apologize. Time is short. we got a lot of people who want to speak, so just get right to the heart of your question or brief comment, and uh, we'll get the response to it. This is Crosstalk on VCY America, the number 800-733-9829. We're with Matt Staver today from Liberty Council. Their website, lc.org, lc.org. Back in a minute. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. I'm very distressed, my friends, as I see anti-Semitism rising among people who claim to be politically conservative. Some claim to be Christians. Some claim to be followers of the Make America Great Again movement, the MAGA movement. Some claim to be part of America First. What's very sad is, it's from these very groups I'm seeing absolute anti-Semitism, open attacks on people who are Zionist or Christian Zionist. They're actually using that word. Let's set the record straight. 
Genesis 12, verse 3 says, I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. We don't agree with everything the government of Israel does, but we stand with the Jewish people and understand their historic and biblical right to the land. And ultimately, we understand what God is doing with the nation of Israel that will eventually lead to Christ's millennial kingdom. Going right back to the phone lines here. Matt Staver with us from Liberty Council. Their website is lc.org. And again, we ask you right to the heart of your question or comment. Going next to Bloomington, Illinois, we have Greg calling. Greg, you're on the air. Yeah, thank you. Um, Matt, I always appreciate your perspective and your insight on everything. Um, uh, once again, the uh, the timing of uh, Brandon, which is what Brandon just said during the break, is, is impeccable. In Revelation 2.9 and Revelation 3.9, Jesus speaks about Jews or people that claim to be Jews but aren't. And my question is, is there a difference between the political nation of Israel as opposed to God's people Israel? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, obviously there's the nation of Israel, and there are a number of people in the political realm of Israel. Um, you know, if you look at the Jewish people in Israel, for example, or the Jewish people in general, uh, the most of them, uh, majority of them, are secular Jews. Now, they may uh, do some different kinds of festivals. It's kind of like a, a nominal uh, Christian who may go to church uh, during Easter or Christmas, but they don't really take their faith seriously. Uh, there's a lot of those, but certainly there's also a, a wide variety of Jews who are Orthodox uh, that adhere to the Jewish uh, religious teachings. And there's also a growing number of Messianic Jews, believers in Yeshua uh, HaMashiach, Jesus as the Messiah, uh, within Israel. I have many friends uh, that are part of that group. Let's go to Mark in Monroe, Wisconsin. You're on the air, Mark. Yeah, um, I think Mike Johnson, pro-Israel, is paramount for America's future. Mm-hmm. You guys mentioned it, uh, especially yes. based on Genesis 12, 3. Mm-hmm. My comment is, from Obama to Biden, it seems to me uh, ISIS is more uh, is actually passing the baton to Hamas uh, towards uh, anti-Semitism and death to America. And I believe that is uh, primarily uh, thanks to Obama loyalty to the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Hmm. That's, that's my Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it even goes back further than that. I think if you go back to the, the two Bushes, I think uh, they stirred up a bee's nest uh, there, and uh, George W. clearly underestimated the adversary there and underestimated it. And then you come to Obama, and he's the one who really started the Arab Spring when he moved, you know, the leader of Egypt out, and he took the side of the Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt is where all this started, and the Muslim Brotherhood is the mother of all the terrorist groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamas, has, you know, whatever it is, they have their origin from the Muslim Brotherhood, and Obama took that side. And now with the policies of Biden, you know, allowing, uh, or allowing $6 billion to go to Iran, and so many other policies that he has, trying to give them a nuclear deal again, uh, it emboldens uh, the terrorists. And what he did in Afghanistan with his abrupt withdrawal, it was a mockery, and that emboldens the terrorists. So under those two presidents, it has gotten to be a critical mass, critical point. They have really, I think, contributed to some of these uh, problems that we're seeing today. Mark, thanks for calling. We've got Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on the air. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, I guess you say I'm a part of a movement that's similar to the Israeli Zionist movement in the sense that we, we try to move people to New Hampshire who, who, for more freedom, basically, because it's the freest place, so I can sympathize with Israel. Uh, but uh, one of the solutions we found here to violence is gun freedom, right? And they don't have that in Israel. The, the Israeli government disarmed its people. Uh, so have you, have you done anything to try and protect them from their own government's policy of yeah, that's a that's not a good policy. Uh, we obviously have the right to carry here much more freely than they do in Israel. You can carry, and it's open carry, but uh, you'll see a lot of the IDF young people and others with their you know weapons, their M1s or equivalent to an AR, 
you know, 15, uh, if you will, walking around. But when you're a private citizen, then you can carry openly, but you have to give special permission for that, and you have to show why you would need it and whether you live in a particular zone where you need it for security. Otherwise, not anyone can carry, and I think that's a problem that needs to change. I think that could have certainly been a difference of result uh, if they had more people carrying or having weapons at home when they were attacked by Hamas. Thank you, Dave. Scott, in Clarksburg, West Virginia, you're on the air. Yeah, in Revelation, uh, it, talk, it speaks of before Armageddon, it talks about the Euphrates drawing up and making way for the kings of the east. And uh, with the post-millennial interpretation, uh, Babylon, the final spiritual manifestation of Babylon the Great is the United States of America, and uh, the Euphrates, taken symbolically, would be the resources of America. Okay. So when it dries up, which it's doing, it's going to make way for the kings of the East. Okay. And uh, the, see, America was a nation born of conquest, like like Canaan of old. Okay, okay. and let me just like say, the Scott, of old. yeah, there are many and, that would uh, take and, take issue with that interpretation. And we're not we we've had Bible prophecy speakers on t- today is not such that day. But uh, we we will be dealing with issues like this again. But there are many of the be we're not taking we're taking Euphrates literal as Scripture does as well. We're going to pick up one last call. Uh, Jesus in Glendale, Arizona. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, uh, good afternoon, brothers. I just wanted to share a scripture that what we're seeing in Gaza right now, which is found in uh, Zephaniah chapter two verse four, and it says Gaza will be abandoned and Ashkan left in ruins. At midday, Asha will be emptied and Ekron uprooted. Amen. Okay. Thank you for your comment here. Matt, we've got just a minute remaining. What would you like to leave with the listeners? Well, certainly I I would want everyone to pray for Israel and for protection and for certainly peace. Um, It's a very difficult time there. But also here in the United States as well, as well as uh, Europe, um, there is a... Antichrist type of spirit that we're seeing manifest itself with some of this evil globally, not just there. This has kind of spurred it on. And I would just pray for uh, wisdom as we move forward. And for you all that are listening, be a voice. If you're silent now, you would be silent during the Holocaust. We always look back at the Holocaust and say, I would be the one to stand up. Well, if you're silent now, you would have been silent then. So speak up. Don't be afraid, and speak truth, and don't live in fear. God is in control, but don't be afraid. Speak the truth. Amen. Amen. Matt Staver from Liberty Council, the website lc.org. Matt, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you. My pleasure. And friends, that harkens to a message that Bill Federer had with us recently on the program, silence equals consent. By the way, he's giving that address, New York City tonight. Check it out, vcy.org. Our time has gone here today on Crosstalk. Thanks so much for joining us, and friends indeed, let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.